Hey, we're going to continue on in our message series today. So if you're just joining us, we as a church are in a message series called Jesus of Nazareth. And it's all about the life and miracles of Jesus. And so if you were with us week one, Pastor Josh uh, laid the groundwork of God revealed, right? God revealed through Jesus Christ in a, in a body, God in a bod. And then week two, uh, we elaborate a little bit more is that Jesus came to heal and teach. He came to heal and teach. And so today, I want to continue the conversation to build out uh, the Jesus of Nazareth series. And, you know, um, as, as we prepare our hearts for the main passage today, um, I really believe that it's one thing to be around when Jesus was on earth, right? It's one thing to actually hear Jesus, to touch Jesus, to walk with him, but it's a different thing living in the age that we're in right now where we can't physically see or touch Jesus, right? And so that's the thought that I want to frame it up to today is that now that we know about the good news of Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, how should our lives uh, be carried out today because of this good news, right? How should our lives be in light of Jesus? And if you actually go through the story of Jesus, there's a uh, a passage found in the end of John, the book of John, where Jesus has resurrected and uh, he found one of his disciples named Thomas and, you know, doubting Thomas, right? And he had a conversation and says, Thomas, you know, put your hands in, in my wounds here, put your hands in my scars. And then Thomas in that moment had a revelation said, Lord, it's, it's you, all right? But what Jesus says afterwards is really impactful. He shared, Thomas, you believed because you've seen me but blessed are those who believe and don't see me, all right? So if anything, we're living in the age right now that we are most blessed because we believe in Jesus. Come on, we can celebrate that. We are blessed to be living in this age. And so the question now becomes, so how, how we can continue to grow in our faith journey? How can we continue to live out our faith in this season. And uh, my heart for you today, and as we approach scripture, is we want to begin to imitate the faith that we read about within God's word. We want to begin to imitate the faith of those that we see within God's word. And um, just a few thoughts on, on the topic of faith. That Number one is that after hearing about the good news of Jesus, all of us now have a personal responsibility to live out our faith. Right? So after hearing about this Jesus of Nazareth, all of us have a personal responsibility to live out our faith. Well, what is faith? Right? What is this faith thing that we talk about? You know, we have to go to Scripture to uh, let Scripture elaborate and teach us. The Bible tells us that faith is the confidence for the things that we hope for. Right? It's the assurance of the things that we cannot see. So faith is something that we have that we feel on the inside, but also it's something that is visual as well. And I'll build that out as, as we go, right? Another thought here on, on faith is that it's impossible to please God without faith. Enoch, it's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible lets us know that it is impossible to please God without faith, and anyone who is seeking after him must believe that he exists and that he sincerely, and he rewards those who sincerely seek after him. I love that, that thought within scriptures because there's a, there's a challenge attached to that, right? 
Although we don't see Jesus, although we aren't here with him, when we seek after him, there is a reward attached to it. When we grow in faith, and matter of fact, in, in, in the thought of faith as well, is that God will always move according to the level of your faith. God will always move according to the level of your faith. I think of the Roman centurion, all right? Uh, there's a passage within scripture where there's this Roman uh, soldier and he comes across Jesus and he said, hey, one of my servants is sick right now, but I'm not worthy to have you under my roof because I know I'm a sinful man. But since I understand authority, only say the word and my servant shall be healed. And so what happened was the first time ever in recorded history, Jesus healed somebody without being physically there with him. He spoke a word. He, he moved in a fresh new way according to the soldier's faith. And I believe that all of us can continue to grow in that faith as we journey with Jesus, right? And so with that, if you guys have your Bible with you, let's go ahead and go to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 to 12. And as we open up God's Word, what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to pay attention to the faith that you see within this passage here. Uh, pay attention to who the characters are here within the story and how they operated within their faith. You guys ready? Yes. All right, let's go. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. It says this. The subtitle is, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there is no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, everybody say that, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately uh, knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say, the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? It's kind of like saying, right? Like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds versus actually getting in shape. All right? So Jesus demonstrated that he did something that had more impact rather than just his words, right? Verse 10. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then God turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. There's a lot of exclamation marks in this, this passage. I'm trying my best to emphasize here for you, right? Verse 12, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through, uh, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen, we have never seen, we have never seen anything like this before. Church, turn to your neighbor and say, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Come on, elbow your other neighbor and say, visual faith, visual faith. 
And church, that's actually the message title that I want to give you today, Visual Faith. And it's all about living out our faith in real time. Living out our faith in real time. And I'm actually really excited about this is because um, there's actually a lot that you can unpack from the passage that we read. And really, you can have a whole series on it. But um, what I want to do is I just want to frame it up in this way, is that when you read Scripture, you want to see what characters are mentioned in the story, and you want to frame it from their perspective. Because when you frame it from their perspective, there are things that you can learn from each individual. So, for example, the person on the mat, we'll call him Matt, two T's, right? So from Matt, we could have learned, hey, get yourself some good friends, Right? Get yourself some good people. Another thing we could learn from him is he didn't have to say anything to Jesus. And Jesus healed him, right? Uh, what we can frame it from the teachers of the religious law. They teach us what not to think. Right? Jesus says, why are you thinking that? So I can learn wisdom on what not to do from them. They're, they were looking for a negative when there was so much positive happening. Right? We can learn from Jesus' point of view. His heart was to serve, to, to heal, to preach. And Jesus also knew what the people needed versus what they wanted. Because the paralyzed guy, he, was, he heard that this guy, Jesus, was healing all things, so he's probably expecting a healing, right? But God knew, Jesus knew, that his soul needed, needed to be saved, right? So God knew the difference between the two. But today what I want to do is I want to actually take it from the vantage of the four men who carried Matt, right? We want to take it from their point. And what I want to do is I want to give you guys four faith principles, online family. We want to give you four faith principles, what we can learn from these men. And what I want to do too is I want to give you a bonus as well. I want to give you four faith killers for each category. All right, you guys ready for the first one? All right, so the first thing that we can learn from these four men and their faith component is they had compassionate faith. Say that with me, compassionate faith. Verse 3 said, four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. So they had a heart to serve and to help this guy. And if you think about the word compassion, right, what, what does compassion mean, right? Calm, passion, with passion, right? And so these men, they had the wherewithal to not only uh, uh, be around Jesus, but to help God's people. But here's the thing. All of us are carrying some type of brokenness, right? We're carrying some type of weight. So it takes another level of faith to care about other people, right? We're, we're in our human nature, and we all go through things, but it takes a next level of faith to not only carry our things, but to carry those that other people are having. So the question now becomes, what, what would lead these four gentlemen to do such a thing, right? What would, what would lead these guys to go above and beyond in that approach? Scholars believe that these four gentlemen were probably healed by Jesus at some point. If you actually uh, paid attention to the beginning, it says that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, all right, so he came back to this town, and if you actually back up a couple of chapters, uh, the Bible says that Jesus actually healed everyone in that town, and that he casted out demons. And so the, 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 the picture is this, the journey is this, right? We're all hurting. We go from hurt, 
And when we have an encounter with Jesus, we go to healed, and eventually we go to becoming a hero. All right? Church, are you here? Yes. Right? We go from hurt to healed to hero. Right? And majority of this world stay in the hurt area. Majority of the world have a victim mindset. But it's not until we have a personal encounter with Jesus that we can become healed, that we can become restored. And now we can become a hero. So chances are, these four guys, they probably heard Jesus teaching something like this. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, good deeds shine out for all to see, visual, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So I would imagine these four men, they were, they were healed, right, by Jesus, and they also learned from Jesus that, hey, I'm not just here to get healed, but now I have the privilege of shining my light for good deeds. I have a privilege of getting into action to do something. And in this case, it was reaching the broken. It was reaching the loss. And so here's a key question, all right? Who can you think of that needs an encounter with Jesus? Online family, who can you think of that needs an encounter with Jesus? Actually, take a moment and pause and think about that, right? And I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring to memory of someone that you know that would dramatically be impacted because of Jesus. All right. And so I mentioned before, here's a, here's a bonus for you. So what's, what's the killer of compassion, right? What kills our compassion for other people? And I, I know there's multiple layers to it, but I, I truly believe a, a compassion killer is an extreme focus on self. A self-led thinking right? A myopic thinking. You know, it's always about your worries and, and your troubles and, and your burdens. And then when we get caught in that loop, we don't actually see those around us, right? We don't actually see what people are actually going through. But here's the thing, and I want to help you guys. I want to bless you guys here, right? Because we've shared before, all of us are carrying some type of burden. I've come to realize that the most compassionate people are people who've gone through a lot. They've gone through so much that they can recognize what others are going through. So in the midst of your trouble, don't shy away from it. Don't run away from it. Embrace it. Because God can use you to make an impact on others, right? Come on, church. We can celebrate that. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys ready for the second one? The second faith component here, all right? From what we can learn from these four men, they had creative faith. The four men had creative faith. Verse four here, it says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, comma, so dot, dot, dot. I actually want to preach there for a little bit, right? I think oftentimes as we read scripture, we go through so fast, but we don't pay attention to how God word things, right? Comma, they couldn't, they couldn't reach Jesus because of the crowd, comma, so, right? So comma represents a pause. So with that, 
I want to encourage you, when you come across obstacles, when you come across going somewhere and you can't get through and there's something that you're trying to move forward in and, and there's something just in your way, don't forget the comma. To pause. Right? Man, this relationship, I, I want it to work out. It didn't work out. Let me pause on that for a second. So I'm going to move forward in this way. Right? This job offer that didn't go through on, on my end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel this for a moment so I don't make any decisions that I'll regret later, right? The power of the pause. And then you transition to a so, right? So in your no, there's always a so, right? In your no, there's always a so. But don't forget to pause, right? Don't forget that comma, all right? And so these guys, they had to have some creative faith because honestly, if it was me, I was like, man, like, can I go through to Jesus maybe through a window or something like that, right? I wouldn't have think to, you know what, let me carry this guy on the roof and actually go through the roof, all right? Literally, their faith was through the roof, y'all. Come on. There we go. That's fresh for you. I didn't share that joke earlier, but I just thank you, Holy Spirit. Got to loosen you guys up. But think about it. These guys, they, they, I don't know if they had stairs or they had to climb the roof, but they had to think of another way to go around this roadblock. And just to encourage you as an analogy, right? If you're driving, anytime when you see a road closed, right, there always has to be a detour sign. By law, there has to be a detour sign. But here's the thing. You have to make sure you look out for it, right? And that's the analogy of being creative in, your, in the moment of being stuck is you have to keep your eyes open for other opportunities like these guys, right? And so I remember back in 2018 as, as a church here, we launched back in 2016, but uh, we would meet at Pastor Joshua's house on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, all of us would be working and what have you, so we'd have late meetings. And we were like, you know what? What are some creative ways for Easter that we can reach people for Christ? And I don't know who said it or what happened, but it's like, hey, you know what? Let's actually rent a helicopter and buy hundreds and hundreds of Easter eggs and drop it out of a helicopter, right? I'm like, for Jesus, right? We'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. But here's the thing. It's one thing to think about it, right, to be creative, but it's another thing to actually follow suit on it. And so we were like, you know what, let's call uh, up some schools. Let's use their, 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 their turf, right, to drop these eggs off. And uh, the first place that we called, they said, yeah, no, that's not happening, right? Uh, this area, there's no helicopters ever, right, in the DMV area, if you guys know. They're very uh, particular about that. But we didn't give up. We called the second place. Second place, no, you guys aren't doing it. The third place that we call, uh, before we even asked, Pastor Josh was the one doing the calling, uh, before we even asked about it, they were like, hey, are you the church that's going around different schools and asking to fly a helicopter and drop it off in our field? Well, the answer is no, right? So it turns out the second person that we called decided to call all the schools in the surrounding areas to warn us about Highlight Church, right? But here's the thing, right? Because they said no, but our faith said yes, right? We, we, saw, we came across a roadblock, but we saw the detour sign. We saw the creative sign, so we didn't give up. And here's the thing. We ended up actually getting approved at uh, Nike Missile Park in uh, 2018. We were able to drop hundreds and hundreds of eggs to, to kids and thousands of people came. So come on, let's celebrate that church, guys. So don't give up when you come across a roadblock, right? There's always a way to be creative in that moment. So what's a creative killer? 
all right? Multiple ways of uh, killing our creator, but I believe one is sin, falling short. How many of us have been there before where, you know, we're, we're, we're pursuing God? Your hand went up way too early. <laughs> She's like, I've been there before, right? I've sinned before. We all have. Um, but how many times have we been there before where we're pursuing God and something happens and, and we fall short? And what happens when we fall short? We tend to isolate ourselves, right? We tend to uh, put our, lock ourselves away and our creativity, we, we don't advance. I think of Adam and Eve where when they sin, they hid away from God, right? They hid away from the presence of the Lord. And I believe that one thing that's killing our, our, our creativity is the things in life that are tripping us up in our sin. And so what I encourage you to do is you want to identify these things, right? Uh, come to God for healing in those areas. Come to God for forgiveness in those areas so that your creativity can flourish. All right. Number three, the third thing that we can learn from these four men is they had courageous faith, Everyone say that with me. Courageous faith. Verse 4 of the remainder says, So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, this is somebody's roof, y'all. I don't know how much boldness and courage that you have to come onto someone's property and dig a hole through their roof. So, So picture that with me, right? Maybe you have someone over in your house. Maybe you invite Jesus over and, you know, you're having a good time. Things are going. And all of a sudden you hear. Some dust particles coming on down. Now, in Luke's gospel, because um, uh, this story is account in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it said that there are tiles up there, right? And uh, historians believe that the roof had to be at least two feet deep um, in those days. And so they had a lot of work to do, right? And so imagine that just all of a sudden Jesus is teaching all these dust particle comes down and you see a ray of sunlight out, right? And now you have an additional sunroof in your house and hopefully it increases the value over time. But hey, these guys had courage and boldness to break in someone's house, right? And so they broke through a barrier. And I just want to encourage you guys with, with, with this thought, right? Is that we know that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, right? And we house the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, for courage to flow, you got to break through your barrier of yourself, of your flesh, so that God can flow through. So how? How can you grow in this area of growing your courage, right? Well, I want to encourage you guys with this. Our courage flows from our reflection of God's goodness. Our courage flows from our reflection of God's goodness. I think of the shepherd boy who was facing a giant and said, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the same giant that I'm facing right now. And so, church, I want to equip you with that. You want to begin to ask yourself, right, to draw courage. How has God moved in your life in a similar type of struggle? Daniel, you want to reflect on how God has moved in your life in a similar type of struggle. And this is actually a skill, right? The skill of reflection is that when you're facing an obstacle, when you're facing a roadblock, when you're facing something you have to be courageous in, you want to go back and see how God has moved previously in your life. So what are some courage killers, right? How can your courage be zapped? Well, I believe a, a big courage killer is naysayers. 
people who haven't succeeded and want you to fail, right? Misery loves good, right? And so I believe when we get around people that don't have faith and when they don't believe or if they failed in times past, they want to bring us down in our level. But I want to encourage us, church, with this thought today. Don't hate on the haters. Don't hate on the haters because without a Judas, there wouldn't be a cross. And without a cross, there wouldn't be salvation. Come on, church. And without salvation, no way to the Father, right? And in, in this story particularly, right, the teachers of the religious law, they were the haters in this story, right? They're like, who are you? That's blasphemy. But notice in the story, Jesus forgave their, their, the man's sins first, but he didn't bring the physical healing until the haters came on the scene, right? So in the middle of the people that are, are bringing you down, you got to give God praise for them. God, I thank you for my haters. I thank you for the doubters because they're going to release the blessing from heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you for the naysayers, right? All right. You guys ready for the fourth one here, the fourth and last one here? All right. The fourth thing that we can learn from these men is they had combined faith. They had combined faith. Notice in verse 5, it says that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus just didn't see one man's faith, but they saw their faith. Four men, one miracle. Think about that. It took four people in order for God to move in a miraculous way. So oftentimes, church, I believe that sometimes God, you don't see the miracle happening in your life is because you don't have combined faith. You believe, you trust God, right? But there are some things God can only move when you combine your faith with others. And that's why I believe church is so powerful and online family, you know, I just wanna encourage you, if you're in the local area here, it's one thing to be online, but it's another thing to come in person and lay hands on someone and our team can lay hands on you and uh, combining our faith for God to move. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel, that's your fourth one right there, right? Because of these four men, a whole nation got saved, right? Four men, one miracle. And even Jesus himself, right? Jesus is all-knowing, all-powerful, and yet he had to work with 12 disciples, right? He had, he had to work with their faith as well. And now we're going to pivot. We're going to shift gears a little bit because if, if you know the, uh, the theme of this story or theme of this is faith for others, right? Visual faith that we can see. And so these guys, they were bent on reaching the lost, reaching the broken. And so the, the thought is this, it takes a church to reach a city. It takes a church, the faith of a church to reach a city. And so if you've been with us sometime, you know that our vision, we got big vision in this house, y'all, right? 20 locations in 20 different areas in the state of Maryland. How are we going to do that? Romans 10, 13 through 14, for, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone tells them. Church, I believe that God has called you here today, this morning, to let you know God is counting on you to tell people about Jesus. God is counting on you to bring the broken 
to Jesus, right? So the question now becomes, who are you partnering up with to reach the broken? Who are you partnering up with to reach the broken? There's strength in combined effort. Your impact goes further when you're not doing it alone. All right, I was actually talking with uh, uh, Coach Chuck earlier. Coach Chuck, front row, let's go. Let's celebrate Coach Chuck. So Coach Chuck is actually one of our uh, light group coaches. And uh, fun fact, he's a coach in real life, um, football, football team. And I was speaking with him earlier this morning, and I was asking how his season is, and he shared one of his uh, kids is now participating in sports. And uh, I asked Chuck, I said, Chuck, what's, what's, the, um, what's the benefit of having your kids being in, in sports, right? Well, he said the, the, greater, uh, the benefit of the kids being in, in sports is now they have the skill set of team development, is they can work in a team-based environment. And not only that, uh, but they're building long-lasting relationships and, and friendships. And he didn't know, but I was actually kind of like preparing for my message. And, you know, it kind of spoke to me because the killer of combined faith is when you don't have a greater vision, a greater purpose. Think about it. In a sports game, right, you have one vision. You have one mission, right, whether it be in the football to, to score or basketball to, to put it in the, the hoops. But what happens is that when you are called to a greater vision and a mission, automatically you work well with a combined effort of people, right? And so perhaps, church, maybe you're in here today and you don't have any faith-filled people around you to combine your faith with. What is your greater vision in your life? What has God called you to do, right? And in the pursuit of, those, of, that, of that area, you're going to notice to see you're going to come alongside faith-filled people. And I, I even think about our church right now, and if you guys want to participate with me, go ahead and take a look around. Look around, look around, the, look around the room. Don't be shy. It's not awkward, right? Looking at you, Logan. <laughs> what do you see? You see a very diverse group of people, right? Right? Asian, Hispanic, African-American, Caucasian, Sri Lankan. I see you back there, Chris. <laughs> right? How is that possible? It's because all of us had a greater vision. And God has brought us together for combined faith. And that's how we're going to take a city. All right? And so as we close out here today, I just want to give you three last encouragement or three last challenge to give you today. So I want to begin to challenge you to prepare your hearts to invite people for Easter and, and Good Friday. Now, remember, we had shared about how we can't physically see Jesus anymore. And he's not walking the earth. But the Bible says where there are two or more that gather in his name, he's here with us. Right? So when we invite people to church and God's house here, there's a place where they can encounter Jesus. They can encounter hope, encouragement. And healing, as we saw from the story. All right, so prepare your hearts to invite this Easter season. And the second challenge or the encouragement I want to give you is share your testimony. All right, so we look through the story. Jesus, when he healed the man, he said, pick up your mat and go. Like, think about that. Why would Jesus tell this guy to, to pick up his mat, right? Was he worried about littering? Was he worried about the mat being a, a tripping hazard? Perhaps that mat represents a testimony. And perhaps God is calling you today, as you leave here, as you receive your healing, don't forget to pick up your testimony. 
Don't forget when you go back out in the world that you have a story to share that's going to impact people's faith on what God has taken you through. All right. Don't forget your mat, okay? And the third one is this, is that there's a reward attached to your invite. God takes notice of every single person that we bring to him, right? We don't have it on the screen, um, but it's the last uh, story in Daniel is that uh, Daniel chapter 12 says, in the last days, many will rise up, some to shame, some to, to honor. It says that those that lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forevermore. And what that means is that when we invite, when we bring people to Jesus, it's eternal impact, has eternal impact. But here's the thing. Maybe you're in here, you're like, Pastor Chow, I feel like it's too late for me. I feel like I've tried. I'm tired. I get I should be doing this, but I have this weight. Well, I want to encourage you with this last thought here from God's word, not my thoughts or opinion, but God's word to you this morning. 